I love Wyoming. I would think the chances are pretty good that you've never been to Wyoming. Not that many people have gone there. You probably don't have any plans to go there. I mean, you know, who goes to Wyoming? Well, I've been there three or four times, and it's been about ten years since I've been there. And uh, the trips that I've made there have been the best trips I've ever made in my life. Um, I I made I can't remember whether it's three or four times I I went out there and went snowmobiling. I spent three or four days. Uh, I we would snowmobile in uh, Yellowstone National Park and a couple other places out there. And I just went with a bunch of guys, uh, no wives, anything like that. Just had a great time, and I just. Love Wyoming. I love how wide open it is. I just like the way the people dress. I like. I just like everything about Wyoming. I don't know why. I just fell in love with the place. And if I had to move out of Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania and I had to choose a state, that's where I would go. Now, uh, I the re- I'm bringing this up for a reason, and I'll get to it in a second. You know, uh, Wyoming is wide open. 97,818 square miles. Pennsylvania is less than half that, 44,820 miles. So uh, space-wise, Wyoming is twice the size of Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania has 12,072,379 people. That's sixth most in the country. Wyoming is ranked 52nd behind the District of Columbia and Vermont. 563,626 people live there. And the reason I bring this up, I want you to hear these numbers. Um, there are 447 cases of the coronavirus in Wyoming, and six people have died in the entire state. Now, there's only 500 and, uh, what did I say, 63,000 people. Six people have died, and 447 people have it. And here's what they're and, – and, and in Wyoming, because of this, the six people dying and 447 cases – State of emergency there. Schools are closed. Non-essential personal services, including nail salons, hair salons, and barbershops, cosmetology, electrology, and aesthetic services, massage parlors, and tattoo, body art, and piercing shops are all closed. Now, again, it's Wyoming. There are 5.76 people per square mile. They have basically the same thing going on there that we have going on here. 5.76 people per square mile out there. That's uh, some serious social distancing. Just when you walk out of the house, I think you're already pretty well <laughs> social distanced. Uh, in Pennsylvania, it's 269 people per square mile. Again, 269 people per square mile compared to 5.76 people per square mile. There is one case of the coronavirus every 1.2 square miles in Pennsylvania. That makes it sound like a lot. You know, within a mile of you somewhere, there's somebody with the, the disease. In Wyoming, there is one case, are you ready, for every 218 square miles. So what are the chances of you running into somebody with that coronavirus? One one case every, in every 218 square miles. So what's going on? Why are kids in Wyoming uh, not going to school? It's sick. It's crazy. Anyway, and that's part of the one-size-fits-all plan, I guess. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk to Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute. She has a lot of crazy coronavirus numbers. Stick around. I'm Andy Solomon 
5G is here. It's the next generation of wireless network technology, and T-Mobile has the first and only nationwide 5G network. And unlike other wireless providers, T-Mobile is giving 5G access at no extra cost. Tech expert Andrea Smith. If you're looking to upgrade to a 5G phone, the new Samsung Galaxy S20 flagship devices are here. The S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra are the first smartphones in the U.S. that tap into the full potential of 5G. They're available today at T-Mobile with amazing deals. These deals are for everyone, even businesses. Get up to half off the latest Samsung Galaxy smartphones via bill credits with an eligible trade-in or snag a BOGO offer with bill credits when adding a line. And only T-Mobile includes 5G in all of its plans. That means anyone can get two lines starting at just $90 a month plus tax for T-Mobile Essentials with 5G included. For more information, visit T-Mobile.com. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. Ever since I was a small child, I have always loved the United States of America. One thing I love is seeing how Americans come together and help each other in times of crisis. It truly is unique. As we have learned even more so of good hygiene these past few weeks, it is important to know another threat that has been around us since forever, rodents. Rodents carry many diseases with them we do not want around us or in our homes. You can learn about all the diseases rodents carry online with just a few clicks. One of the best and most humane ways to keep them out of your home is with Plug-In Pest Free. Plug-In Pest Free sets up a no-go zone in your home utilising the active electrical wiring. Now that's fair dinkum. Look us up at gopestfree.com today. Use promo code PEST20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code PEST20. Don't spray and regret plug in and forget worried about deductibles and copays dental or vision how about elective procedures marley financial has got you covered this is john steigerwald marley financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health related anything copays and deductibles any prescription even elective procedures marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. 
I'm, uh, I'm coming to you from Washington County today, where 83 people out of 207,000 have been identified as having the Wuhan virus. Uh, two have died, and I keep seeing people by themselves driving by in their cars, by themselves wearing masks, one person with a mask, and uh, we have to at least uh, we have at least two more weeks before the governor is going to start opening things up. His one-size-fits-all approach doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, not much of what's going on uh, makes a lot of sense these days. Heather McDonald is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of The Diversity Delusion. She's here with some perspective on the numbers we keep hearing. Thanks for being here, Heather. Well, thanks for having me on, John. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, always good to have you on. Uh, you always write great stuff. And uh, I have to ask you, just you know, based on uh, you wrote a piece about putting the, uh, putting the numbers, the death toll numbers in perspective. So is most of the country uh, being tortured by all this uh, insanity by the government because of what's happening in New York and New Jersey when you really whittle it down? Absolutely. New York has almost close to half the, the deaths uh, and, and New York's deaths and New Jersey's deaths are overwhelmingly concentrated in nursing homes. What we learned early on in this from Italy, which was keeping and is keeping far more detailed data on uh, fatalities than any place in the United States, is that this is a disease that is extremely concentrated among people 75 and older, 80 and older, with serious uh, comorbidities. Virtually nobody uh, young and healthy is dying, unlike the flu, which takes over 100 children a year. Uh, so this is a population that is completely identifiable and is not representative in any way uh, with the population across America, and yet with a glee that is absolutely unmistakable, uh, politicians, including, I'm afraid, uh, Republicans as well, have been putting the country and the world at risk of an economic crisis that will have health dimensions worse than anything that the coronavirus could inflict on us. Yeah, and I, I did some math today. Um, I, I looked at, uh, and these numbers may be off by a few, but they're, they're close enough. Uh, South, Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Idaho, West Virginia, Maine, Vermont, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Montana, uh, 243 people have died in those states combined. Uh, 24,603 in New York and New Jersey have died. So, but, but people in South Dakota and Wyoming are following some of the same rules that people in New York City are following. Well, and that disparity even exists within New York State. Uh, almost all, about 93% of uh, deaths in New York State have been in New York City south in Long Island and in the two adjacent counties north, Westchester and, and Rockland counties. Everything north of that and west, and it's a big state, is mm -hmm. untouched. And yet those counties are also being subjected. They're, they're businesses. These are already places that were really on the ropes economically. 
small business is the only remaining lifeblood in a lot of t- small towns, not just in New York, but across the Midwest. And those businesses, many of them are never going to come back. The idea that government bailouts can replicate the dynamism of the private economy may be something that liberals not just believe but cheer on. I mean, they probably think that the government is not just an adequate substitute for market transactions, but is far, far preferable. But what I can't understand is why many of my fellow conservatives are also going along with this hysteria that is going to destroy the American way of life and standard of living for decades to come. And there are there not examples of the government by doing this, uh, and I'm talking about the, the, this, the specific um, moves to help businesses may actually make things worse. I don't know if you saw the story today. I forget where I saw it. Uh, a woman um, was shocked. She went to her employees she, whom she had laid off and told them that she had gotten her loan from the PPP, and she expected them to be excited, and they were totally annoyed because what she was telling them was that um, she was going to bring them back to work, and they would make less money getting their old job back than they would by staying home and taking the government money. So how is that going to help small businesses? If that, and if, I mean, that's just one case. That's got to be everywhere. It's, it, it may be everywhere. I also think there's a lot of people, uh, both entrepreneurs and employees, who really want to work. And, and, you know, I also want to stress, John, I've taken a lot of heat for writing about the, the absolute catastrophe that we're inflicting on ourselves, and I'm inevitably accused of being heartless. Mm-hmm. and caring about the cold-blooded economy and the stock market rather than people. The reason I care about the economy is because I'm compassionate and I care about people. The, the economy is how human beings thrive. And when, you, when we're going to create this massive recession, if not a global depression, with people out of work, you're going to see rise in suicides, in drug addiction deaths, Deaths of despair. The ama- I, it, it's astounding to me that all of our medical uh, facilities have been deemed non-essential. There's people that need cancer diagnosis and treatment who are not getting it now because doctors are, are closed down. That's going to lead to increased uh, death. So it's a question of which deaths count more. And the fact of the matter is, given the numbers, we are still, they are very low comparatively. 2.8 million Americans die a year from all causes. Uh, over 600,000 die of cancer and heart disease. We're not approaching that. 40,000 Americans die a year in traffic accidents. We don't have an ethic of if we save just one life, it will be worth it. When it comes to traffic accidents, we could get rid of those 40,000 deaths by setting our speed limits at, at 25 miles per hour. We don't do that. Americans blink at the 40,000 deaths because they value their convenience more. Uh, and, and so we are setting, we're doing something that is so unprecedented. This has never happened before in human history. 
to voluntarily shut down an entire economy uh, that is going to lead to utter destruction. The third world is going to be a disaster. There is going to be riots. We think we've seen unchecked migration from the third world to the first world, uh, importing poverty and disease. Just wait. Uh, when when famine because our supply our global supply chains have been completely destroyed uh, starts hitting even harder in Africa, the place is going is going to be a tinder keg. Yeah, and you know, uh, I, uh, two things in what you just said there. Everything is perfect, but um, I actually said right here on this radio station last week that, uh, and I. I, I think I actually got it from Thomas Sowell a long time ago. He used the highway uh, speed limit as a, an example. When somebody throws out the if it saves one life um, routine, he said, well, how many lives would be saved if you lowered the speed limit to 25 miles an hour? Nobody's going to do that. You also uh, write in your piece, and you touched on that just a second ago there, uh, the, the sentence that jumped out at me, actually, to be concerned about the effects of the global shutdown is not to be indifferent to human suffering, it is to be moved by the suffering, and that's what you're saying right now. But, um, you know, lots of people in the media ridiculed President Trump early on when he tried to talk about the, the health problems, including suicide, that would be increased if uh, there were massive layoffs. And he was proved uh, right, wasn't he? Yeah. It's, it's, it, we're, we're already seeing this. Um, uh, you know, the, the people in the media... And I, I, I watched Alex Witt of MSNBC questioning all her guests several days ago when the, when the back-to-work protests were starting up. And she kept asking them, well, is this just political? Is this just political? Uh, she has a job. There she is. You know, I'm sure MSNBC's viewership is way up, as probably all the cables are. Mm-hmm. She can't imagine that the people that are out there protesting are doing so because they want to work. It is economic. It's, of course, it's political as well, because this is a political epidemic. Uh, but, but this is very real. You cannot... There's, there's people who are desperate right now. They don't yeah, know I'm... how they're getting by. And, and, if, and, and we're not going to get our retail back. I don't know where those people are going to get jobs in the future. And how many of the people in the media do you think would be able to run a popsicle stand if their if their lives depended on it? When it comes to you know knowing what goes into running a business, and they think you just you know flip a switch after being um, shut down for a month and a half, two months, three months, and everybody's going to come back and everything's going to be fine. They don't have a clue about what it's like to figure out supply and demand to figure out supply chains the complexity of this the number of balls you've got up in the air the risk that you're taking the courage that it takes to get out there and say i'm going to compete in a highly uh challenging environment and i'm going to succeed they they also don't understand uh they operate in the world of abstractions and ideas, they can shelter at home mm-hmm. because their work is not tied to any particular place. So they take their computer home, and there's really no different. Uh, but there's lots of people 
who have to be in a particular place to work. They're making something or they're offering services. And those people, you shut down their, their workplace and they're out of work. And, and there is a big class divide that is, that is opened up here where I see it in Manhattan. I mean, all the yuppies like myself, you know, they're out in Central Park and in some sense it's, it's like a long vacation, although they can't stand being with their kids for that long. But there's not, uh, you know, it's, it's something that is tolerable. They're, they're still getting their paychecks. That's not the case for the low-skilled workers. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm broadcasting my brilliance right now from my home. Uh, and here in Washington County, 16 miles from downtown, and, um, you know, everybody's, everybody is uh, working from home that can, but not everybody can. And if you own a restaurant, you, you can't really run your restaurant from your, you know, your home office. You, you can't do right. it. Right. Um, so what do you think it's going to take for the government and health experts to shift to focusing more, if not entirely, um, on protecting the people who are actually in danger from the virus that you talked about earlier? The, it's mostly old people. And I saw, uh, Heather, another number. It was last week. There were like 6,900 deaths in, in New York City at the time. And 137 of them, I think it was, did not have underlying conditions. Yeah, no. It's, it's, right. It's almost none. Uh, well, I don't think the public health people are going to shift. I think, I think they're in the saddle right now. This is their glory moment. And mm-hmm. uh, they would like us all to be under lockdown for another 18 months. I think it's going to take politicians who say, thank you for your expertise, but you're not experts in, in other issues. And we have to balance one set of concerns against another set of concerns. And this univ- univocal, uh, monomaniacal focus on one cause of death uh, and, and shutting down an entire economy on its behalf and developing now in 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 humans and individuals a level of paranoia that I see in New York all the time on the streets in Central Park that is just stunning. People fear getting infected across, you know, five five, six yards of open space in Central Park. Yep. Which is absolutely insane. We're developing such aversion and hysteria that People are never going to go back to restaurants or shop. So we have to nip this thing. It's too late now, but we have to stop prolonging this fear because urban life is going to be absolutely over. I only have about a minute left with Heather McDonald, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, author of The Diversity Delusion. So uh, if, you, if you were to make a prediction, and I'm up against a hard break here with about a minute, um, if you were to make a prediction... How much worse is it going to get before it gets better, if it ever does get better? The hysteria, the political side of it? Yeah, uh, yeah, all of it, yeah. I think it's going to divide. I think, I hope that we have the red states that are going to start to open up. I deplore Trump attacking Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. I, it's just that was a, a cowardly act on Trump's party. should be applauding him. The Trump's attack makes it less likely that other governors are going to open up, which they need to do now. Uh, so I hope there's more protests. People got to get out in the streets. Let your representatives know that this is not tolerable and, and leave it to businesses to be responsible and rational, work things out on their own. It's not for the government to declare what's an essential business and what's not. 
Heather McDonald, thank you. We're out of time. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Congressional oversight of the coronavirus rescue effort is quickly expanding. The House is voting to create a new subcommittee to track more than $2 trillion in coronavirus aid. That new panel will also examine the government's response to the virus. Republicans are opposed to the creation of this committee, saying it duplicates other work and will be politicized by Democrats. A Mississippi city has changed its policy that banned drive-up church services during the pandemic. The city of Greenville now says services are okay with windows rolled up. The city facing two freedom of religion lawsuits. The U.S. Attorney General is siding with the church in one of the lawsuits over the city's original ban on drive-up church services. On Wall Street, the Dow gained 39 points today, but the Nasdaq was down less than a point, and the S&P dropped one. This is SRN News. With all that's going on right now, the last thing you want to do is add to your stress. But credit card debt does that, doesn't it? Even though these are hard times and credit card debt can add up, you don't have to tackle it alone. Nonprofit Trinity Debt Management can help. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees, and drastically reduce your interest. You'll pay thousands less than you originally owed. It's not a loan. It's a way to become debt-free and possibly improve your credit score. So call Trinity and talk to a certified counselor. They'll explain their proven program to you with no pressure, just practical solutions and hope for tomorrow. Take away this added stress today and be there for your family. If you're ready to pay off credit cards in less time for less money, then pick up the phone and call for a free no obligation debt analysis and become debt free for keeps if your debt has you down we should talk call 1-800-936-5496 that's 1-800-936-5496 jay secular sees hypocrisy in this pandemic the boycott divest and sanction movement against the state of israel is an illegitimate social protest movement if it materializes and the israelis which they are working on this come up with a vaccine to inoculate against the coronavirus, the BDS movement will not apply. So you tell me about what this movement's really about. Jay Sekulow Live, weeknights at 6, right before Larry Elder at 7, on AM 1250. The answer. With all that's happening in the world right now, you may be looking for ways to both entertain and encourage your family. We'd like to help you do just that by giving you a four-week free trial of the Adventures in Odyssey Club simply by signing up at AIOclub.org. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. We're all looking for TV shows to fill all the time we have on our hands these days. And here's a show that you can watch with your family. It's No Safe Spaces, starring Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, the number one political documentary of 2019. It's all about how our foundational American values have come under attack, especially on college campuses. Hollywood doesn't want you to see this movie. You won't find it on Netflix, but it's now available for a limited time at nosafespaces.com. It's No Safe Spaces at nosafespaces.com. Enter Save 25, get 25% off.
This is John Samick. I'm the owner of Service Master Greater Pittsburgh. As we battle the coronavirus, Service Master follows all CDC guidelines for social interaction. Our mission is to protect your home and business. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. This is John Samick. I'm the owner of Service Master Greater Pittsburgh. We follow all CDC guidelines as we continue to provide essential services to homes and businesses, including fire and water damage restoration. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Wet weather coming in and maybe not surprisingly some accidents with it inbound on the parkway east. Crashes off to the shoulder approaching Bates Street. Fox Chapel, a crash hunt road at Squaw Run Road. And on the Highland Park Bridge, a crash right there. On the eastbound turnpike, meanwhile, left lane construction, Beaver Valley to Warrendale. It's in between there. Construction also on Tom's Run Road. From Forsyth Road to Dutch Hill Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Cloudy with rain for tonight, low 49. Showers to start tomorrow, otherwise clouds high 61. Friday night, clouds low 44. Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain in the afternoon, high 63. Sunday, cooler with periods of rain, breezy, high 51. Monday, cool with sunshine, breezy, high 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, as far as I know, there are no kids going to school anywhere in America. I would have loved that when I was, you know, fifth grade or sixth grade. I would have thought that was great, maybe all the way up through high school. But And uh, nobody, I don't think anybody believes any of them are going back to school until at least next September. You know what? They may not be missing all that much, at least uh, not missing much when it comes to civics and American history. The National Assessment of Educational Progress, which is also known as the uh, Nation's Report Card, has the numbers from nationwide tests of eighth graders. Professor Jeffrey Sickinja is executive director of the Ashbrook Center. He knows all about this, and he joins us now. Jeffrey, thanks for being here. Delighted to be with you. Thanks for having me. So what is the Ashbrook Center before we go on here? It's an educational center uh, located in Ashland, Ohio, uh, and we run programs for students, teachers, and citizens, helping them understand the history of our country and our founding principles. Well, I mean, uh, th- that's, that sounds great. What, what, was the, what, what, was the, what gave birth to this, the Ashbrook Center? And, you know, did it be, as, come a, as a result of you, uh, someone finding a deficiency in, in the schools? Well, we were started way back in 1983 by President mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan. Okay. And we were, we were devoted from way back then to helping our fellow Americans really understand what America is and what it means to be an American. And over the years, we've developed these programs for students, for teachers, and for citizens to, to help in that cause. So we've been doing this for almost 40 years now. And, and less, so on this, the test that you, you uh, are talking about, Less than 20% of 8th graders since 1994, I see, have shown proficiency. I guess in either um, civics or history, the proficiency is terrible. It's shocking. It's shocking. Yeah, we've been doing the NAEP test since, uh, well, since 1994, 1994, as you said, and it really hasn't gotten much better at all. 
And, and this year, uh, in 2018, we did the test again for eighth graders. And again, people, the performance was pretty dismal. So um, how long has this been a problem? That, that kids, uh, American kids, are not learning about America. It, it's been going on now for decades. It, it probably for the last forty years or so, when we started switching education and changing it from good old-fashioned content in American history and civics, and from going back to our original documents. And that's one of the things that we at Ashbrook stress so much is not just reading in textbooks, but reading the documents themselves. And when we started switching from that way of education, uh, we started to see scores go down, and we have not seen them go back up. Well, I, I'm, I went to school way back in the middle of the 20th century, and uh, I remember taking a lot of history and civics classes. Um, and I, I actually I went to Catholic school, so I, I can remember, and this is, uh, this is probably 25 years ago, that uh, someone told me this. I, I went back to my, maybe longer than that, I went back to my grade school, and I talked to my, my, my it was long ago enough that my history teacher was actually still there at a Catholic grade school. And I remember saying to him, uh, you know, I remember you guys gave us blue book tests when I was in the eighth grade, and that there'd be two questions on the test. There'd be two essay tests, and one would be list the causes of World War II or World War I or something like that. And I was kind of, and I told him how much that prepared me for college when I saw other kids would get an essay test and they'd start sweating. And that was just a test for me. That's how I was used to it. And what he said to me really surprised me. He said, Oh, we don't do that anymore. That's, uh, we found that, you know, people complain it's too hard or something, something to that effect. I, I couldn't believe it. And that was, uh, Jeffrey, that's 25, 30 years ago that the guy said it to me. And they yeah. just they don't do it anymore. Now it's a multiple choice, and you know who discovered America in 1492? A. Christopher Columbus. B. George Washington. You know, I guess that's what they're teaching now. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm afraid you're right. And look at it. And even on that test of, of just basic civic knowledge, our our students are not performing well at all. So you know, even at just that superficial level, we have a problem. But just like you're talking about, when it goes deeper and we start really trying to understand American history at a deeper level and reading and writing and thinking about it like you were, uh, we, we see the results are even worse. It's a, it's a very serious problem. But what changed? I mean, was it, is, it, is it the generation of teachers that have taken over or maybe, you know, teachers from my generation of baby boomers who uh, grew up? in the 60s and 70s and went to college at that time and were in the protests and the anti-American sentiment was widespread. And uh, I mean, does is it, is it go back that far, further than that? I mean, what caused this change? Because it's a big change and from what I remember. It is, and that's about when the change started, back in the mid-late 60s in that movement. And, you know, today... Uh, at almost half the states, really even more than half the states around the country, do not require any American history before the Civil War. So nothing about our American founding, for example, in high school. Half the states don't require students to study the American founding as history in high school. 
So that's one of the reasons. It's just simply a shift away from understanding how important it is for our future citizens and our future leaders to understand the history and principles of our country. That's part of it. And I think the other part is the way we teach history today and the skewed view of America that we see in so much history and so many textbooks and, frankly, so many academics teaching that America is, is a bad place, it's rotten at its core, and it's been bad for a long time, instead of seeing American history in a positive way. And if you teach it that way, no wonder a lot of students aren't that interested. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, so you're telling me that there are kids sitting in schools named after people like Jefferson and Washington, um, and um, they're not taught much at all about who these people are or what they did? And if they are taught anything, they're taught how bad someone like Slave George owners. Washington was. Yeah. That's right. And, and look, here's a great example. George Washington, taught as a slave owner, taught as a person who wasn't really interested in freedom for others. But the fact of the matter is, even someone like George Washington eventually did, in fact, free his slaves. But yep. that part of the story is almost never told to students. Um, so, and you said eight, eight states require a year of civics and only 28 require a year of history. I saw that in, in the piece that you sent us. And I, um, so, if they're not teaching that, what have they replaced civics and history with? What, gender studies? I mean, what, what are they doing if they're not teaching that? They've got to be teaching something during the <laughs> time do. that they have the kids there. They're yeah, captive. A, a lot of it has been the kind of courses that you're talking about, a proliferation of what's now called social studies, which used to be called good old-fashioned American history and civics and geography. So a lot of those kind of courses have replaced it. And then also, of course, we've seen a greater emphasis on science, technology, mathematics as well. And look, don't get me wrong, those are important subjects. But, you know, everybody who's had math knows how good it is and important it is, but not everybody's going to be a mathematician. But everybody's going to be a citizen. We all need to know American history and civics, and I'm really thinking it's our mission to put that back in the center of American educational life. We're talking to uh, Professor Jeffrey Sikenja, and he's the executive director of the Ashbrook Center. Um, where can people find uh, what you're doing there at the Ashbrook Center? And, and what, should, what should parents who are listening do um, to find out? Uh, how, I mean, do, uh, are, there, are parents, do you think, first of all, doing a good enough job of paying attention to what their kids are being taught or not taught in history and civics? And what should they do about it? Well, uh, the, the good news is that we work with a lot of great teachers around the country who are trying to do the right thing for students. So they might be swimming against the current in a lot of school districts, but there's a lot of great teachers out there who are doing great work. There's a lot of great parents out there who are involved with their kids' education. They're looking at this stuff, and, and they're talking to other parents about the right way to educate. So I don't want to say, like, it's all doom and gloom because there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of good people doing good work, and we're, we're providing resources to those folks. So if they want to learn more, we, you know, we're all homeschoolers now, right? Right. <laughs> so we, we've got resources available at ashbrook.org. Uh, we've also got great resources for American history and government at tah.org. So it's teaching American history to tah.org. And you can go on there. It's the largest collection of historical documents for America in the country, 
over 2,500 of them. And you can go there and just look up uh, time periods in history. You can look up uh, interesting people, great speeches, all kinds of great stuff on there that parents can use to help their kids learn about America. Yeah, do these, uh, I mean, again, I go, I'm, I'm old and I go back a long time and uh, we were taught that it was just important to learn about, and believe me, we fought it too. I mean, I can remember saying, who cares about what happened 200 years ago? When you're a kid, you don't understand why they're teaching you history. And it's something that has to be almost shoved down your throat when you're that age because you don't understand why it's being taught to you. But it was important to be taught. And everybody, I don't remember seeing or being aware of any disagreement on that. So it, it, it must have been somewhat of a gradual um, change because everybody was had, had the same feeling about it when I was a kid. And now you're saying it, almost nobody does. Yeah, it's been a shift over the last uh, three, four decades. And you're right, it's been slow, it's been gradual. Uh, it's been picking up pace lately so that more and more um, old-fashioned, good old-fashioned American history and government courses have been replaced by the other kind of courses you were talking about. Uh, so it's speeding up, and, and there's some people out there who are deliberately pushing this. There's groups that are pushing uh, something called the 1619 Project, which tries oh, yeah. to remake America. You know all about it. Your listeners probably know a lot about it, trying to remake America into a story of just oppression and, 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 and misery. And we know that's not the true story of America, but that's a new thing. But, you know, that's the culmination of a trend that's been happening since the late 60s in this country in education. Yeah, and uh, um, the 1619 Project, um, PBS is actually pushing it on high schools uh, and High school, I guess that's the school boards who are picking it up, and the and and they're taking that curriculum, and they're they're using that as their basis for their history, of teaching of American history in the school. And I, I, I'm guessing, uh, Jeffrey, that they think that makes it a lot more interesting to talk about the evil of slavery and how you know the whole country is based on that. That's that's more interesting than talking about you know the the American Revolution and. What started happening in the 1770s, and you know they don't want that. That's just boring now. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen? They're going to find out that kids don't care about stuff that's ugly like that. If but mm -hmm. if you make the American story interesting and real and live, and you show not just the negative but all the good and positive things, kids can really be uh, turned on to learning about the country. We've seen it. We know it works. And I was just talking with a 16-year-old student from the Chicago suburbs who was saying how the 1619 Project's been brought into her school. And she asked the teacher, could we just have another point of view? Could we just have a real discussion about whether this is true or not? And her teacher said, I'd love to do that, but I'm not sure they'll let me. Who's but they? The truth is, the school board? The truth is, yeah. Well, she thought it, the teacher thought it was her school and her school administration. Yeah. And but, um, but, the, but you know, but um, the truth is, there are great teachers out there who are bucking this. But it is infiltrating. You're right. It's infiltrating schools, and it's a it's a bad way of looking at American history that insists it's the only right way, and it's trying to suppress uh, real, honest thinking and education in schools. So we're fighting it. We're providing resources to fight it because it needs to be stopped. 
What about in the Catholic schools, uh, Jeffrey? Uh, I mean, but I'm guessing you're talking here about public schools mostly, but are the Catholic schools and other private schools doing any better with this? Uh, they do, do they do do better? Yes, some of them. But as you know, um, there's a lot of variety in Catholic schools. So mm-hmm. some of them are really sound, really great places of education, and some of them, unfortunately, have followed the general educational trends of the country. So it really depends on the school. But because they have some independence, they can set their own standards. They don't have to comply with state mandates, and they can often decide for themselves what a good curriculum is. So they've got the freedom if they'll use it wisely. And so I would encourage parents of kids going to Catholic school or over private schools to really pay attention, talk to administration, talk to school boards or your, your diocese to make sure that those kids are getting the kind of education they can in that school because the schools have the independence there to do it. And you're paying good money for it. Jeffrey, uh, I appreciate you being here, doing good work at the Ashbrook Center. And how can people find the Ashbrook Center again? Ashbrook.org. All right, Jeffrey, thanks a lot for being here. Delighted. Thanks for having me, John. Okay, Jeffrey Sikenja, Executive Director of the Ashbrook Center. We'll be right back. Worried about deductibles and copays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Stoggerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything, copays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Eric Metax is here. Like you, I'm confined to my home, spending time with my family. And one thing we enjoy right now is watching uplifting movies that affirm our faith. But what's there to watch? Well, I have the answer. Introducing Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, a documentary that explores convincing evidence that the biblical account of the Exodus is true. Investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney journeyed to Egypt, Israel, and throughout the world to search for answers to one very important question. Did the stories like Exodus, as written in the Bible, really happen? And the results of his investigation are monumental. Right now, you can watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus at Home. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's PatternsofEvidence.com. And immediately following the movie, a panel moderated by Gretchen Carlson and featuring Dennis Prager and Graham Lotz and me, yours truly, will provide further insight and commentary on the film. Watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and others in the series. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's Patterns of Evidence. 
Com. Well, we're all spending more time at home these days, but somehow the wind and the rain didn't get the memo about shelter in place. This is John Stagerwald with some great news from Windows R Us Pittsburgh. They've been granted a waiver by the governor to handle any emergency repairs outside your home. If you've had damage to your roof, gutters, siding, or windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can still answer the call. And everything will be handled in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines to keep your family and their employees safe. You may be eligible for free repair or replacement with the area's premier exterior replacement company with over 50 years of home remodeling experience. Visit windowsarustpittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. For a no-pressure approach with no hidden fees and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry, a company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsarustpittsburgh.com. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight uh, watching anything about the coronavirus. Um, it's the NFL draft. And... Congratulations and thank you uh, to the NFL for doing the draft. There were people, including Adam Schefter, who works for ESPN, and he's Mr. NFL. He was just hysterical a week or a couple weeks ago when he, uh, maybe it was a little bit longer than that ago, but it was a while back, and he was absolutely hysterical over the fact that the NFL was going to go ahead with the draft amid all this tragedy and people dying. Of course, at the time he said that, Everybody was being told that hundreds of thousands of people were going to be dead, maybe millions. And so, you know, by the time the draft rolled around, people were had predicted that, you know, we'd be looking at hundreds of thousands of people dead. So, uh, but there is going to be an NFL draft tonight, and that's what I'm going to be watching. And I might even get some popcorn. And I'm not the biggest fan of watching the entire draft, and I, I think they only do the first couple rounds tonight. Uh, and the Steelers don't have a number one pick. They don't pick until 49th uh, with their pick in the second round. But um, I'm just glad that the NFL didn't listen to the people that were chirping at them about uh, doing this and be- being disrespectful by doing the draft. That that same mentality is what's keeping everything closed. Uh, and stupid things like we talked about in Wyoming where one person every 219 square miles has the disease and they've closed everything just like they have here in Pennsylvania. So the draft is tonight. I'm not here to predict who the Steelers are going to pick. I have no clue. I haven't really studied it that much. Uh, but it's just going to be nice to watch something that has nothing to do with the coronavirus. And it's actually kind of a sports event. It's, um, you know, it's the draft. There's no 
no game being played, but it's interesting. And uh, and the one thing that I won't miss tonight will be uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, hugging every guy who comes out who's just been picked. That's been kind of embarrassing for the last, I don't know how many years. Uh, everybody's going to be doing it from home. They're going to be just like me, doing it from home in their home office, and America will watch it, and I'll be among them. So I hope you have something good to watch tonight. I know I do, and I'll talk to you about it maybe tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.